Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the I Love Me podcast, where we talk about self-love, sharing our negative experiences while highlighting the positive experiences. I'm here with another special guest. Special indeed. My name is Shania Duncan. Good afternoon. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling lovely. How are you? I'm good. It's been a very long day here, but you know, we're getting through it. I know that you recently celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, yes. Don't turn 20 then. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we should just get right into it. So tell tell the viewers about yourself. Well, um, I'm from the Bahamas, uh, currently 20. Oh, yes. Um, I'm a sociology major with a minor in psychology. I'm looking into becoming an honors student. Um, Most of my passion flows from my love of people and wanting to help others. But yeah, it's not much to say about me. I can be a bit impatient at times. That's (laughs) one negative, but my friends grow to love it. Nice, nice, nice. Um, So um, how long have you been in Canada? I've been in Canada since 2018. 2018. Have you lived in the Bahamas all of your life? Yes. Oh, okay. So, like, you've come from a predominantly black country. We're from the same country. Yes. You've come from a predominantly black country. You're now to a country where you're the minority. How how did that feel for you? Honestly, it it wasn't... I wouldn't say that it was a shock because um, in the Bahamas, we don't really speak much about racial differences it's more about prejudice discrimination and so on um, between who's too black and who's not black enough and so coming to a country where it's a distinct cut off between black and white yeah um, it was something that I had to get used to and it's a lot of things that I also had to learn about so that was something that I gradually started picking up on um, the longer I was in Canada. Nice. You said you had to learn about a few things. Would you mind sharing us about the things that you had to learn about? Um, yeah, sure. So microaggressions, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, I would I would go as far as saying that those things really don't exist in the Bahamas. And so um, there's this one story where I was in uh, Jennings and this lady she came up to me and she was like oh my god I love your hair and she started like touching my hair and she was like wow like what is this like it looks so oh, wow. different and honestly I was just like so naive and and I didn't understand what was genuinely happening in the moment and I yeah. was answering her questions and I was like well she's interested in my hair um, until a good friend um, Royal pulled me over and he was like dude that's not okay and I was like well, what do you mean? Like, she's just asking me about my hair. And he's like, no, like, that's like, it's so racist. Like, you know, that's, and it's the way that she did it. She's touching your hair. She's looking at you like it's something she's never seen before. Like, you're some exotic thing. And um, that was my first experience. Um, Another experience with microaggressions is like, um, I'll just be walking on the street. And then, like, person, like, just clutch their purse or tries to, like, walk far away from me. And I'm like, dude it's not that serious like yeah i'm going about my day just as you are so so like i i've never experienced microaggressions back at home as well but like coming here we've experienced different sets of like microaggressions from like different sets of people it was that like since you've experienced that have you felt like an outcast or like you didn't belong in canada since you've experienced like those microaggressions 
I wouldn't necessarily say that I feel like I don't belong. Um, and that's, I would definitely say that I don't feel that way because of the great friends that I surround myself with. Um, but outside of that, it's, it's mainly just, I just ignore it to some extent until it's like so hard for me to ignore that it bothers me. Right. But I would not, I would not go to the extent of saying that I don't feel like I belong here. Um, yeah. I wish there was more diversity in Sackville, but um, given that they're not generally used to this us being here type of thing, it's going to be a learning and growing experience for both black and white people. Yes, I definitely feel like there's going to be a learning curve with the majority and the minority because I remember my first time coming to Canada, the things I experienced, the culture shocks that I experienced, especially when going out to the clubs and duckies and hearing the stories of like girls getting roofied. And like the stories I heard from students who came before me, how they told me about the racial disparities they faced, especially since coming to Canada from moving from their home countries. So for you, since you've moved to Canada, have you, besides like the microaggressions you already mentioned, have you had like any like negative experiences you've faced with like racism, abuse, mental health like that? Um, I would say mental health for sure. Um, not to make the Bahamas sound like a terrible place. It's a great place you should visit. But um, in terms of like acknowledging that mental health is a real thing, um, the LGBTQ plus being a real thing, um, there's a lot of things in the Bahamas that we're not up to speed with. So when I came to Canada, that was in a sense culture shock for me. Um, And I think I handled that well, but mental health, destruction. it was a constant fight between trying to reach out to my parents and let them know like, hey, something is going on with me mentally. Yeah. And then being able to understand that it's a real thing. So right. getting them to acknowledge that was hard and also being away from family while that was happening um, was also hard. So mentally it was challenging. But like I said, I'll give credit to all my friends that that helped me get through that process. Um, and there are a lot of, surprisingly, yes, there are a lot of ab- ab- avenues um, in Canada, in Sackville, that allows you to handle mental health properly. And so, um, yeah, mental health was a big thing for me. Um, and the way that things happen, too, in Canada, like like you said, the clubs, it's very different than how we would enjoy ourselves at home. So. Yeah, I know for us, like, it might sound on this podcast where we aren't friends, but, like, I've known her for three years now. So um, we've all heard the stories of, like, the things that happened from the people before us. I don't want to call names, but, like, we've all heard the stories of, like, the ducky stories. So since you've heard those stories, have you been, like, put on guard or, like, always, like, walking around with, like, a second, well, not a second eye, but, like, a third eye? Yeah. Well, I have four eyes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, guys, I wear glasses. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would definitely say I'm way more vigilant and my guard is constantly up, especially when I go um, out to the club because of the, the hookup culture that's around here in Sackville. So you have to be vigilant about that. And also because I am a minority, I'm a constant target. Um, as sad as that might seem, it's it's the truth. Um some things that I that I do, I will get in trouble for, opposed to my white counterpart. So you have to always be on on guard with that. Yeah, for sure. Because I remember definitely like first year, my one of, my roommate's friend 
told me she's she's of Asian descent and she told me how she went into like a store here in Sackville and then the lady said to her oh my god you speak such good English for an Asian and I said what what do I what do you mean by that <laughs> I, I I was shocked I was like that's not okay to say right and then she was trying to invalidate her own feelings like oh no it's okay I get it all the time I'm like you're invalidating your own feelings and how you feel just to make the other person feel better that's not okay to say so like hearing that story have you had like any like experiences like that in canada in sackville wherever like throughout your life most definitely um and he was a friend ex-friend now um we were in jennings um all at this table and listen my my group of friends are very racially diverse um and so he made the statement that I have 99 problems, but being black is at the bottom of my list. Like that's that's one thing that I don't want to ever encounter. And he said that, and I'm getting a bit um, upset even it's revisiting okay. that topic. Emotions. He said that, and everyone at the table looked at him like, why would you say that? How can we consider you to be a friend? And you're sitting here, speaking as if black people are below you he's of white descent evidently and from that day forward we never spoke to him again he never really apologized for what was said and i just came to realize that some people are delusional and they just believe that they're better but hey if that's what you want to believe believe it i'm all for that how did that experience make you feel was that first year Yes, first okay, year. So, like, your first year, fresh here at Mount Allison, how did that experience make you feel? Honestly, it made me feel upset. When I think about it now, I still get upset. In that moment, there was pure rage. Like, I wanted to fight. I, I, was, I felt very threatened at that point. Um, and I just wish that People could be more conscious of what they say and how it will be received when they say it. Yeah, how it will be interpreted um, too. Mm -hmm. Because how could you think that saying that is okay when you're sitting at a table filled with black people? How do you think they'll feel if you're literally saying like, like, what do you mean by that? And honestly, that day was a rough day for me. I, I said, I don't know if I could do this Canada thing. You know, things are so different. Um, people walk in the room, they don't say good morning. They don't say good afternoon. Those are things that I'm used to. Yeah. They don't hold the door for you. They don't do certain mannerly, courteous things. Like, so I'm like, man, the people up here are strange. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I could say. The people up here are strange. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit different. But, I mean, if you like it, I love it. So, like, there are differences that we see from, like, Canada to, like, back home in the Bahamas. How have you been able to, like, connect with, like, your home, even though you're away from home? Like I've been mentioning a few times, I do surround myself with a good group of friends. Yeah. Um, Me included. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, aside from that, um, the Mount Allison community has tried numerous times to bring together a community um, like the Black Student Union, um, CSA, 
um, mosaic. So there are various avenues at Mount Allison where you can go and find a home and you can um, find some comfort in knowing that there are people at Mount Allison that are also experiencing the same things that you are. Um, and so I, for one, was a part of CSA and that's the Caribbean Student Association. And, you know, it was it was phenomenal when it worked, you know, and um, I appreciated those those events and those moments that I spent with them because for those split seconds, I felt like I was back home at a party. I felt like I was in my mom's kitchen eating her food. Yeah. So it's 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 little things like that that really continue to motivate you. Yeah, that's really good because like I know for me, like when I first got here, the girl that I met, she came up to me like, oh, are you Bahamian? And she's like, oh, me too. And then like we started to connect and like she introduced me to like a plethora of people and then that people became my circle and then that, that's who I'm close with today. So it's like the smallest things you do can help in such a great way. So over the past year, throughout the world, we've seen a fight for justice, right? especially of the minority group, whether it be black, Asian hate crime since the pandemic started. How has this affected you? Has this affected you in any way? Honestly, it has. And like I said, I'm a sociology major. So this right here excites me to the max. Yeah. Um, but before I speak on that, I want to I want to say that some people think that because we aren't really a part of the United States or because we aren't from Canada, this fight doesn't have anything to do with us as Bahamians. I disagree because we're all black. And I feel like that's where one of the issues lie. We are so segregated within ourselves. I agree. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's an external fight between black and white. But then you also have to look internally and see that there's also an internal flight fight with black people. Yeah. And that's absurd. We need to stand as one if we want to see justice come about. Um, and so, yes, um, with all of the recent happenings in the United States, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, it's 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 tragic. But I also want to say that I hate that it took all of this hate and fight and, and, and destruction to bring about actual progress. Um, I just wish that people would take us seriously why can't we verbalize that we want to be taken seriously and be taken seriously why does it have to come to burning down a precinct why do we have to loot why do we have to throw fire why do we have to do those things for us to actually accomplish nothing that's even that substantial just being recognized as a race yeah it's it's terrible and, like, for me, I know, like, ever since this has started, like, I've always had, like, a little bit of fear going to the U.S., but, like, now I'm even I'm even more scared to go to the U.S. Or, like, to go to, like, a predominantly white country or a country where I'm not, like, the majority race. Because, like, imagine if I was the person getting pulled over in the cop car. And, like, we always have lessons on, like, what to do. Like, this is what you should do if you get pulled over. But, like, why should I be made inferior or belittled just to make a someone who has, in quote, authority over me happy. Like, that's not the same thing. Like, even recently, when we look at the incident of Makia Bryant, who was in a fight and she had a knife, she was defending herself up 
against the girls of, that were about to attack her. And then we look at the guy who was carrying an AR-15 assault rifle during a Black Lives Matter protest where he actually killed people and they gave the white man who was carrying the AR-15 assault rifle water. They gave another one. They took him to a Burger King drive through So it's the, it's the disparities in between the treatments that make me not understand. Like, if white people can do all of these things, if, major, if the majority race can do all of these things, and I just have to say, yes, sir. I have to be the one and held to the utmost standard because I'm most stereotyped. Why is that? And, like, that's the thing I, like, try to, like, cope with. Because it scares me. Yeah. Because imagine me being pulled over by the police. Imagine me falling asleep in a Wendy's drive-thru. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. There's a lot of Karens out there. And um, it's disrespectful. That's that's all I can say to that. It is disrespectful. Um, and if we look at the justice system, specifically police, I always say, you know what? It starts with them. Because how do we trust people that we're afraid of? Yeah. If there's fair, how do you trust? Exactly. And, and that's the scary part. Like, y- you say, oh, I feel threatened. But you look and you're like, why would I feel threatened at a white man? Like, dude. And it's sad. It is sad. But sometimes I'm at a loss for words when I have to speak on these topics. Because... There aren't enough words that can express all of the emotions that happen when you when you do talk on these topics. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it's absurd that black people are treated the way that they're treated because of their skin color. Yeah. You're telling me that as a police officer, you're threatened because I'm holding a brush. Mm hmm. You're threatened because I'm walking in my own neighborhood. Mm. something must be wrong with you psychologically because I don't understand how you get threatened when I'm just holding something regular. It's criminalization like that that just works me up. And I say, we have to start with the police. You need to have some sort of psychological test or something. They need to rotate them. They shouldn't be in the field all that time because after a while, it does play on your mental. It does. And then it causes you to develop stereotypes and phobias. And that's where you see trigger-happy police patrolling our streets. Yeah. Especially within the black community. We're so stereotyped. If we see a darker-complexioned female, she raises her voice. She's considered an angry black woman. If we see a black man walking down the street and his pants are too loose, he's considered a gangster. So, like, in, like, your life, have you, like, ever been, like, stereotyped in that way? Um... No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I've ever been stereotyped in the way of being an angry black woman. Yeah. Um, and that's that's merely because I've been taught to be more reserved, um, because of issues like this, of course. Um, but let's speak on that for a while. Um, angry black women. Let Let's start there, right? Women are so disadvantaged all over the world. It's it's. <laughs> I I'm just I just feel sorrowful for them. Um. And angry black women, I hate the term, women are angry because of the way that they're treated. It's impossible that you can say, oh, she's looking to be treated the way she's treated because look at how she dressed. How about we tell a man to take responsibility for himself? There's no way that the way a woman dress affects the way you react and treat her. If she wants to wear a short dress, 
she should be able to wear a short dress without having nasty comments directed to her. Women are angry. Women in general. I can, this, this right here can be standard. Women in general are angry because they are treated terribly. And it's the only way that we're recognized as angry women is because that's the only time we're seen is when we get angry. Men, now our black men, this is, a, this is a problem in itself. There's a lot of generational trauma that goes into the way black men are raised. Black yep. boys, there's a lot of community violence that plays into that lack of a father figure in their lives. And it's a cycle, a cycle that can be broken. Um, but we need, we need to take the step in the right direction to see that happen. So you've mentioned how you've been taught to be more reserved to avoid the negative aspects of the stereotypes. How has that played a role in the way you conduct your life? I would say that it's both a plus and a negative. Um, a negative because when I see conflict, I try to avoid it and I go, oh, well, that's that's not my business. When I should be saying, hey, this is not okay and I need to be more confrontational and I need to speak up on matters that that go against what is what is ethical or what is moral um and a positive because i would say i'm not really stereotyped that much um and i'm very short so it's like who's <laughs> gonna be afraid of like a five foot black girl like you know what i mean it still happens because karen's but um <laughs> it still happens because karen's but honestly Positively speaking, it, it keeps me kind of sheltered in a way. Mm. Um, but I want to work on kind of breaking away from that. As an international student in a predominantly white country, a predominantly white school, you've gone through different experiences, right? We've talked about them. We've heard them. How have you felt that your voice has been heard throughout the community here in Sackville, throughout the community on campus, throughout the community in Canada? No. Mm. Um, I, I would say no because I feel like international voices and our opinions are overlooked a lot of times. Um, and that mainly stems from us being the minority. There's always this thing of majority rules, right? Yeah. I don't believe in that. You know, it should be equality. Give me some equity. You know what I mean? Like, we are at a disadvantage. And even if we look at um, the COVID-19 situation, let's bring this into perspective. Um, when all the universities decided to close down and, you know, students had to go back to where they came from in such yeah. a short period of time, um, it's things like that where you see the MTA community and the Sackville community not really taken into consideration. Yeah. The international students or the international life that resides here. Yeah, especially Sackville. with like travel restrictions, yeah. everything that was in place. So Definitely. like it was like either you find somewhere to go or like You're you homeless. can't be here. Like you just can't like like I don't know what you want us to do, but you can't be here. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm I'm miles and miles and waters oceans away from where i reside and 
you're kicking me out of residence. You're telling me, like, I don't know what you're going to do, but you got to go because residence is closing. Yeah. And it's like, well, what what do I do? How do how do I know that? Or how do you know that my parents has the money to pay for a ticket for me to get home right now? Yeah. Especially given that uh, COVID was was just starting and there was a lot of confusion going on. Everybody was panic buying. Everyone was just losing their heads. Yeah. And then to throw on another um, added layer of stress to say, well, we're closing down the university and you got to kick rocks. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, death. Like, I definitely understand, especially because if you're, like, from the Bahamas, so, like, let's say you're from India, some parts of Asia, like, you have to deal with the pandemic going on. Then you have to add the edic- you have to add the you have to add the extra stress of like buying groceries, make sure your house is stocked. Then you have to follow COVID nineteen restrictions that were like changing, like every day, every week. Rapidly. Then you also have to add the stress of bringing my child home, quarantining. How do I deal with this? So I don't think there was like compassion in the situation. Mm-hmm. There was nothing, you know, like compassion. I agree. And the thing is, if you really think of about it, like how you said, um, you know, if you're from if you're from Asia or if you're from India, that's where COVID first hit. And it was terrible in those countries yeah. at that time. You know, flights weren't even going out to those countries like that. They were really down in the gutter. And for you to just look and see that you have a certain amount of you know, Asian students, a certain amount of Indian students, and you're saying, well, you got to go. Where are they going to go? Yeah. The countries are on complete lockdown. Where are they going to go? I feel as if that that's kind of something that MTA could have picked up some slack on and definitely could have said, hey, listen, I understand we're all in this together. We're going to help. Even if we say we're going to close down all of the, the dorms and leave one dorm open for all the students that can't get home right now, I would have been all for it. Yeah. And, like, I, I don't want to just, like, say this is just, like, empty on the whole. I'm sure, like, other yeah, international sure. students experience this, like, at their schools. But right now we're speaking from our personal experience and, like, Correct. what we saw for ourselves. So, like, we talked about, like, our negative experiences. What – how have you, like, overcome them? How did you cope with everything that you've been through? Like, how do you still end up on top today? Am I on top? A lot of know you might be in the middle, but <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I would say that I'm still growing. Yeah. So I'm in the middle. I'm climbing my stairs. Yeah. I'm I'm getting there. And everything is a slow process. Like nothing happens overnight and nothing happens like in a few days. So from first year to now, I would definitely say that I'm I'm different. I'm a better person. I'm a better version of myself. I can agree. Yes. <laughs> whatever (laughs) so yeah um and how i achieved that was basically just taking it one day at a time learning more about you know sackville learning more about the history of sackville learning more about the people that stay here educating the people that are here because it's evident that they don't they lack at the education about you know ignorance is not an excuse it's not an excuse it's not because you can go on social media, you can go on the internet, and you can get what you need. And even if you still don't, if you still don't understand, reach out. Yeah, I, I agree. And like I said, it's all about educating. Um, and I would say, I, I would say that I have less encounters now 
um and it, and it's honestly beautiful csa did a did an amazing thing where they had you know caribbean nights and i and i noticed other people coming out and learning about our culture and how we party and how we have a good time and watching that shift over time just by educating and teaching and leading by example it, it shows promise that yeah. that that we can coexist you know, it's capable that people can learn and be accepting, not tolerating, but being truly accepting of other people. Um, and so I would say it's a learning experience. I'm taking it one step at a time. In terms of my mental health, I would say I take way more mental days and I try to actually acknowledge my emotions because that's something that, that kind of causes me to have a mental breakdown is when I try to push away or suppress my emotions. But when I have mental days where I actually accept them and allow myself to feel, um, it all works out for the better. So, yeah, I love that. I love that you're so growing still like you're like a rose, like you're slowly losing your petals so you can grow again and become the bl and blossom for who you are. Yeah. So like we've been, we've both been in Canada for three years, upcoming fourth, and we've both been in situations where we've had negative experiences and so on and so forth. What is one piece of advice that you could offer to someone who is in your situation? They're coming from their home country where they're predominant or majority um, ethnicity or race, and they're coming here to Canada where they become the minority, where they don't see people who look like them every day. What is one piece of advice you could offer them to make them feel comfortable in the situation that they're gonna be in? My first thing would be to surround yourself with good friends and good people, good vibes always. When you always have a closeness that reminds you of what it is that you have at home, it's almost like you're reciprocating, right? Um, so surrounding yourself with good people is always a, a good step that you can take. I would also say don't be so closed off to new ideas or a different way of living life. For me, I am I am very closed off. I am very predictable. I do the same thing every time. And change is not something that I genuinely, you know, lean towards or lean into. But my advice to you is to just lean into it. You know, look at this opportunity as coming into somewhere new, fresh. It's, it's a good start. So be open to it. But also be smart and wise in the things that you do. Be vigilant. And, and understand that there are different perspectives out there that just won't agree with you, but just keep on moving. Yeah. So would you say that um, this journey that you've been on with growth has led you to like self-love? Definitely. I would say that I am like way more self-confident now because yeah. like, in the Bahamas, like self-confident in terms of like, you know, my body and so on and so forth. Um, because in the Bahamas, they have this thing where they're hell bent on having thick girls and like, yeah. you know, all those things going on. And like coming to Canada and hearing people be like, oh, my God, you have such a nice shape. Like you're so like nice and proportionate. And I'm like, really, I don't see it. I'm looking in the <laughs> mirror and I look anorexic like I look, you know, and body dysphoria is a real thing. Um, but. I would say that, like I said, coming to a new country, 
and understanding a new culture and and accepting it it really helps you to grow within yourself and grow into yourself and it helps you to build a different kind of love and appreciation that you have for yourself honestly some days i wake up my hair is not fixed and i look in the mirror and i'm like damn i look fine (laughs) so it's like you know and i'm like i feel like i look good i can go out like this nobody's gonna care you know so it's like do you and this the canadian culture is way more laxed than like the bahamian culture uh Canadians aren't so like concerned with looks. Yeah. So like I I would say that this definitely gave me an opportunity to like find myself and like, you know, understand what I like, what I don't like. Go through a phase where I'm like trying it all out, looking stink in the process and not caring. So I I feel I feel more confident in myself. There's still a lot of things and issues and insecurities that I am dealing with. Um but that's all in the process of climbing it one stair at a time. Yeah, I think you're definitely right about, like, the lax culture here that we see. Because, like, I know back home it's like, oh, if you're going to the movies, people are like, why are you going in that? Like, why you look like that? Like, put on some better clothes right. or something like that. And then when you're here, you're just like, oh, you look fine. Yeah, you're you, can okay. go, you can go in some sweats. Yeah. You only throw, go to the throw movies. on your blunt stones, you're fine. Yeah. Like, it's literally, I'm like, what like if i was back home and i was talking about going to the movies in sweats like where are you going yeah no but see for me it's like you have to find that that balance because it's like looking raggedy is it's something that i just don't agree with (laughs) so like yeah i can go in sweats but like i could be wearing some sweats and i can have on a nice top to match that sweat you know what i mean like you can't go full out yeah so yeah so like question i know for me like here i'm more laxed about my style but like when i go back home i find myself slipping back into the ways of like being more cautious of like the way i look the things i dress like like to go to like work or like to go out to go to like dinner and stuff and like for me I like I always made the comparison like for us back home in the Bahamas when we like go to business we wear like we wear like formal business attire like we wear skirts nice like satin pants or like a button-down shirt like a polo shirt with like a nice sweater and for girls they wear like skirts heels sometimes maybe some flats like a nice blazer over it and i look at like the culture here in canada where like if i work in a technology store i can wear like a t-shirt and jeans and i i always wondered like that professional barrier that we see like why is it like the way i dress determines my level of education or like determines the authority i invoke like that's what I always find myself like thinking when I always slip backwards. Yeah, um, I I, I kind of agree with everything that you just said. Um, mainly speaking about like you know there's this professional barrier, and it's obviously it's obvious that there is a a difference um, in terms of back home and here in Canada, and I would say that that there that there is this difference, or we have. Or you you're asking the question why is there this difference is because at home we're more materialistic judgmental okay we're judgmental correct <laughs> definitely yes judgmental. guys I'm definitely judgmental but <laughs> yes there is that materialistic you like you, what you look like is half of who you are like those things are actual real stigmas yeah so People take you for face value at home. 
Yeah. How you look is how you act. Especially like if you have a nice car. Oh, yeah. that person has money. He has money. Yeah. Or she has money. And and it, it's sad how you look is how you act because then that's how you create stereotypes and you build stigmas about people. Yep. Oh, he wearing his pants low. He from Beantown and he ghetto. Like yeah. can't that just be the way that I dress? Yeah. Can't that just be sure. the style that I'm into? Yeah. You know what I mean? And like I said, the Bahamas is decades behind the world in terms of socially, you know, getting to where they need to go and, and being socially forward. So in comparison to Canada, I feel like they got it. They understand like you can wear you can wear jeans and, and a T-shirt and that does not affect the way you work here. Yeah. So and I appreciate that. And sometimes I wish I could still dress up and be professional and go to work or whatever. But like. And I can't do it. They don't care. Like, do whatever you want. You're you're free to do whatever. Like, nobody cares. Yeah. They're watching their own road. Like, I know one time we were, like, hosting interviews for, like, a family business. And, like, this guy, he came in, like, a button-down shirt and jeans. And then the lady who was hosting the interview said, that's not professional attire. You go back home, you get some pants, and then you come back. And I'm like, number one, No. You don't do that to people because the one you're judging them. Number two, you don't know the financial situation this person is in. You don't know what this person has done to just to come to this interview to get the job. So like you're not showing the right effort. And just because what he wears, that doesn't determine his mindset, his exactly. level of intelligence, mm -hmm. his ability to do the job to the best of his ability. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think we have that construct in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I was growing up, that made me kind of sad in a way. Like I was never happy with like the way I looked because it was always like, oh, you're too fat or like, oh, you're too like loud or like you're too boisterous or flamboyant when it's just like, I'm just not fitting in with the constructs that you're used to mm -hmm. or what you want to see or what you have stereotyped for me. Yeah. Like, it's like you're placing a stereotype on me and that has made me like sort of kind of like unhappy and like I've had to like learn to come to terms with who I am for myself. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. Like speaking on, um, you know, like stigmas on the way you look. Uh, growing up, it was rough for me. Um, now I'm like kind of self-secure and how I look, you know, with all my braces and all that stuff. But like from I went to high school until I was done with high school, I hated everything about me. I yeah. hated my face. I hated my skin color. I hated my body type. Yep. I hated the way my voice sound. I would say to an extent there is a toxicity surrounding body image yeah personality and character traits it's a toxicity surrounding that in the bahamas yeah um and i only now feel that freeness when i come to canada um but even when i do go home i see myself kind of reverting back to yeah. feeling like you know like here i'll be confident wearing a short pants like and i'm like hey i look thick and i go home and i'm like i can't yeah. wear that because like i'm gonna look stink and they're gonna say this they're gonna say that yeah and it's, it's so much it's so much concern surrounding what other people think of you. Like yeah. it's so tense instead of it actually being free. Yeah. So that's one thing I appreciate about Canada. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because I remember like the first day of high school, like I was just there talking to people, like getting to know people. And then I guess like people in like the upper years, they noticed me because I was like really loud. And then so like they came over and like tried to like take my lunch money. No. And so like I ran away and then I ended up falling. Oh, no. 
and then so like my whole uniform was dirty with like dirt and then like the vice principal saw me and she was like oh what happened and then I told her the story keep in mind I'm in grade 7 that person was like in grade 10 Yeah. and so like I told her the story and then she suspended him mm-hmm. and then the day he came back I was bullied throughout my whole 3 years of going to that school and I was just unhappy like every day I would come home and like cry I would just be sad about like where I was in my life yeah I agree. Uh, speaking on the terms of bullying, I was bullied. Like I said, I mean, I, I kind of stopped getting bullied like in grade nine. But in grade seven, uh, guys, my teeth was it was it was a work. God really did a number. And um, I was bullied for that every single day. Mind you, before I went to high school, I never once looked in the mirror and said, wow, I hate my smile. I thought I had the most beautiful smile on this planet. And I went to grade seven and from the first day until the ending of the eighth grade, I was bullied like because of my teeth and because of how dark I was and because of like how skinny I was. I was bullied and I would go home every day. And I would cry to my parents. I would tell them how unhappy I am. But how do you help your child? Like, you can say, like, it's going to be okay. Like, don't worry about it. Like, what does that do? I still have to go to school tomorrow and handle that same issue continuously. Until the ninth grade, I started saying, Bae, if you say something to me, I get F you up. (laughs) And listen, and that's why I'm kind (laughs) of hard now. I'm so rough around the edges. But, like, inside, I'm, like, this soft person. But I had to build this exterior around myself to protect me from, like, these people around me that just want to pick on me because I look different. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for sure. Like, I wonder what, like, the difference is between, like, grade 6 and 7. It's, like, that whole one summer that could, like, change your whole life. Because in grade 6, you could think, oh, yeah, like, I'm just, like the tallest in the class or like i'm just like tall or i'm just like the biggest in the class but like there were there were no issues with that but like when you go into grade seven it's always like oh why are you so fat like like and then like sometimes your parents are like oh you know what you you could lose a little weight you know why don't you eat a salad instead instead of having this burger or something like that like i wonder what that switch is that like i feel like it's a mental switch between like us and i wonder if it's like the summer experience I don't know if I'll necessarily say it's the summer experience. I think it's just the grade. It's the idea of you going into grade seven. Like Mm. you're no longer in primary school where you're considered or treated a kid. You know, in grade seven, you're what, 12, 13? Mm -hmm. That's the teenage years. Like you're getting up in age. So now like your parents are like, I no longer need to treat you like a kid. You need to start taking responsibility and having a sense of knowingness for yourself. So um, I would say that it's the age and it's also the grade. Yeah. It's a different ball game when you go into high school. When you go into middle school, it's a, in junior school. It's a different ball game. And like you said, in grade six, you're like, oh, I'm taller than the others, but eh, I'm yeah. not going to die. You go into grade seven, you're taller than all the boys. And they're like, why are you so tall? Yeah. Like, why don't you have any breasts? Like, w- yeah. why would you ask me that? Like, yeah. I don't know genetics. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So I don't know. I guess it's that it's that different. Like we're getting old now, and like yeah, we're supposed to have these. We're supposed to look like Kylie Jenner, and we're supposed to do this, and we're supposed to do that. So I feel as if 
when we get into high school, that's when all the societal norms start to ah yeah fall right on our shoulders. Our parents no longer responsible for them; they're on us now. Yeah, you're responsible for yourself. Definitely so, yeah. for sure. Like I like when you said that societal norms part, like I definitely it like it clicked in me and was like yes. Yes, you're you're definitely hitting the nail on the head with that point. And like I'm thankful for this journey though. Yeah. I'm thankful for all of my experiences because it helped me found my happiness. Yeah. And I'm so precious with my happiness, you know? Right. Like I'm in a relationship, I'm living my best life. Hopefully I can get vaccinated so I can be on the streets. <laughs> but like for you, you've been through all these journeys. You've had like different experiences within your life. How, what does your happiness mean to you? My happiness means everything. Um, And, you know, I would say that sometimes I give my happiness too freely because some people do not deserve my happiness. Oh, period. (laughs) Message. Received. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, I would say my happiness means everything to me. And I always pride myself on the people that I keep around me because I need to protect my energy. Because I know that once I let you in, it's easier for you to hurt me and it's mm. easier for you to see my my vulnerability. Yeah. Because once I let you in, you know, I, I'm comfortable with you. So some things I wouldn't say if I didn't trust you, I'm going to say and I didn't even want right. to say it. So that's why I'm saying, like, if, if I give you that opportunity and I, I and I say, you know what? He deserves to see all of me mm-hmm. because he had a, a little taste of my happiness and he didn't he didn't misuse it. He didn't take advantage of it or she didn't take advantage of it. And and. And I man, happiness to me, it's everything. What is everything? Everything is everything. Happiness is just my body. Happiness is my schoolwork. Happiness is my volunteer work. Happiness is my friends, you know? Right. So, final question. All right. You're growing with your self-love. We're growing with happiness. But of course, not all the times we're in like that mood of happiness. We're not always happy. We're not always the best we can be. What are some mechanisms that you use personally to like bring yourself into a better you despite what you're going through? Okay, so honestly, um, with all this corona going on, winter semester was the toughest for me. And even now... This summer is kind of tough, like, because I've not seen my boyfriend in so long. And, guys, he's a big part of my happiness. Like, it's eating away from me daily. And I don't really express that to my friends because they have all their stuff going on. They have their relationships to worry about. They have all these things. So I'm like, it's just me dying with myself. So I find myself just, like, watching Netflix or, like, listening to music, going on walks eating a lot i don't (laughs) think that's a good coping mechanism don't don't use that one guys don't use that one (laughs) (laughs) but i would say listening to music and meditating exercising is also very good um but mainly i like to speak to people i like to express myself and sometimes if i can't do that i write and when i write i find that i feel better i feel like everything that i needed to say i got out and then I can go back out and socialize with friends and forget about how I was even feeling in the first place. So, yeah. Aww. I love that for you. Yeah. I love that, like, your coping mechanisms are, like, growing as you grow. 
and like you're not turning into like the negative aspects of like your coping mechanisms and i feel like that's really like great and i hope that you continue to be happy or whatever yeah i would definitely say i grew because like back in the day i would have just like locked myself up in the dark somewhere and just like cried myself to sleep but now i force myself into positive ways of like getting back to who i truly am by doing those things that i mentioned so yeah that's really good don't be for the streets though guys (laughs) get yourself someone who loves you (laughs) no hot girl summer period oh hot girl summer tell your boyfriend pick you up outside (laughs) (laughs) well i just want to say thank you for being on my show um i really enjoyed having you as a guest you were one i anticipated that came with like a lot of knowledge like i didn't give you any questions beforehand this is her personal thoughts her true thoughts true feelings on the situations we talked about today yeah thank you for having me it was a pleasure i enjoyed um speaking with you today and i hope you invite me back because this is a vibe guys i just want to say thank you so much again you are a great guests to have on the show this interview was very insightful and i'm sure anybody who was in either of our situations learned something learned how to cope with their feelings and emotions and i just want to say thank you again i love you oh not the l-o-v-e <laughs> not the l-o-v-e love you too thor levi yes thank you and this is it for the I Love Me podcast. Come back next Saturday for an all new exciting episode with I don't know who yet, but don't <laughs> worry, you'll see next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>